It's HBR, All Things Considered, and I'm Dave Lawrence, concluding two days with Geezer Butler, bassist and chief lyricist for Black Sabbath, who channeled his battle with depression and early life challenges into Sabbath's groundbreaking lyrics and music. He's filled his new autobiography, Into the Void, with a wide range of experiences you can hear about in part one from yesterday and in our complete hour-long chat, part of this segment at hawaiipublicradio.org slash roadstories, which include many about Black Sabbath's relationship with Led Zeppelin. And we start today with the time Zeppelin's legendary drummer, John Bonham, dropped by unannounced at Geezer's house. Well, he just brought one of these old American street rod kind of thing. Okay. He got it from California and shipped over. And he came to my house and he says, come on, you got to have a ride in this. So uh, I got in the car with him and it was like one of the worst journeys of my life. <laughs> He's going through all these little tiny country lanes for about 80 miles an hour. And I was just thinking, oh, no, no, please get me out of there. And anyway, we got to his house and he says, you got to hear this drum track that I've done. He played me uh, this zeppelin thing there was no vocals on it it was just the rough backing tracks and he was like miming to it as it was going on he was going listen to this this drum pattern and it turned out to be cashmere at his house your own private preview of this song yeah you also had some one-off encounters that are also hilarious take us back to 1973 you were trying to do i guess what would be sabbath bloody sabbath well we did volume four at uh, the record plant in la and we went back there and the room that we'd done bowling for him completely changed into this massive computer synthesizer room. And the guy said, Stevie Wonder's just redone the thing. He's paid for it and everything. He's put all the latest electronics and keyboards and everything. So when he said Stevie Wonder, that got stuck in my head. And I went out and there was a pinball machine out in the lobby. And I was playing the pinball machine. I was going, you are the sunshine of my singing Stevie Wonder song. And the next thing I heard, <clears throat> I turned round and there was Stevie Wonder standing right behind me. And I just didn't know where to put myself. <laughs> and he said, who's singing my song? And you just walked away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's going, who's that? Who's that? <laughs> I'll just sneak out of the studio. <laughs> this is just one more of them. It was 1978, Black Sabbath are on top of the pops. Yeah, Phil Linnett from Thin Lizzy was there. And there's a, come and meet Bob Marley. So I went in with Phil Linnett into Bob Marley's dressing room. <laughs> and Bob Marley didn't have a clue who I was. And he was sitting there with this massive big spliff. And he was just like sort of passing it around to uh, me and um, Phil Linnett. Phil Linnett was good friends with Bob Marley. So that's how I got in to meet Bob Marley. And not your first time on Top of the Pops because... Uh Two music legends from your country that were on your first Top of the Pops in 1970. Both of those guys have been our guest here. Would that be Engelbert, Humperdinck, and Cliff Richard? <laughs> yep, exactly. We didn't have any money, so we walked to the TV studios. Just as we got there, this great big purple Rolls Royce pulled up and nearly ran us over. And out got Engelbert, Humperdinck. And Cliff Richard. Because we all wore crosses, Cliff Richard thought we were a Christian band. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I'll see you follow Jesus. And I sort of, uh, yeah. Fleetwood Mac opened many times. You mentioned Christine McVie a few times in the book. 
And maybe explain that whole story with the uh, Indian restaurant in L.A. and the hot curry. <laughs> yeah, well, Christine was from the same area. And she used to play a lot of the clubs around Birmingham. And I got to speaking with Christine. So we became friends through that when they supported us on the American tour. They actually uh, wanted to get on our plane. So they shared this plane with us. And Ozzy took control of it. <laughs> took control of the uh, plane, the pilot, and uh, nosedived the plane and scared the whatever out of everybody. <laughs> and then uh, later, in LA, we used to go to this curry place, and it used to say we have the hottest curries in the world. And we used to see Christine in there, and Tony got the record for this. It was like, he used to rate the curries by the heat. <laughs> up to 10 and Tony said I want in an 11 <laughs> so the time made him an 11 and he just about got it down so Christine was there and she said I'll have a 12 <laughs> <laughs> and she was the only one that ever beat Tony eating the hottest curry <laughs> and speaking of curry in April 1977 John McLaughlin shocked an acoustic Indian fusion band opened for you in Germany. Do you have any memories of that? No, because the European uh, festivals used to have all kinds of people on. We played this place and Chuck Berry was on there. Wow. He refused to go on stage unless the promoter gave him twice as much money in cash. <laughs> this one place in Sicily, the Dutch Swing College Orchestra was on with us. So, <laughs> <laughs> and they got pelted with uh, rocks and bottles and everything. So many bands, Peter Frampton, Bob Seger. Well, the thing is, there was no other metal bands around. I mean, the, the closest was probably Deep Purple, maybe mid-70s, Judas Priest. There was no other metal band to choose to support you. No such thing at the time. So you get all these great bands like Yes and, uh, and Bob Seger. Um <laughs> The Eagles at Cal Jam. Cal Jam. Earth, Wind, and Fire at Cal Jam. Seals and Crofts. Yeah, yeah. Talk about somebody who went on to be big later. 1970 in New Jersey. Yeah, that was, what did they call Steel? Steel Mill. Steel Mill, yeah. That was our first tour in uh, of America. We finished the tour in New Jersey and supporting us with Cactus and Steel Mill. The singer in Steel Mill was Bruce Springsteen. <laughs> One of the other artists, though, it's a very endearing, again, one of the endearing parts of this book that opens you up to so many people who wouldn't even expect it. 1978, Van Halen had uh, a role as an opener, but also on that tour, a band that would go on to be a legendary influence in rock and more contemporary rock. And I'm talking about the Ramones. We've got the Ramones on tour with us, but unfortunately, punk wasn't very big in, in America. If you liked metal or rock, you hated punk at the time. Right. But we gave it a try anyway. The Ramones supported us on some gigs. We liked what they were doing, but the audiences hated them. The final place where they just said, okay, we've had enough now, we've got to leave this tour. The audience picked up the whole front row of chairs and threw it on stage at the Ramones. <laughs> so the Ramones retaliated by playing the same song for <laughs> 45 minutes. Same three minutes on. <laughs> Who were you closest to? It sounds like Joey. Yeah, I think it was, yeah. Yeah. Well, there's someone else you're really close to. 1978. You started flying between shows. And for fans of romance, one of those kind of stories that you just can't believe really happened. Well, I got 
sick of going on the tour bus because it was so disgusting on there. So uh, the next gig was uh, St. Louis. So I said, OK, I'm just going to go to plane and fly regular flight to St. Louis. So I got on this TWA plane, got off in St. Louis, and there was Gloria, my wife, for 43 years. And I just looked at her and I just fell in love straight away. It was really strange. I sort of <laughs> followed her out the airport. She was picking a friend of hers up that was on my plane. It was in the days when you just drove straight up to the airport and, you know, got out of your car and went in. Right. So her car was parked outside the airport next to my limousine. So I got in the limousine. Glory got in her car and I said to the limo driver, follow that car. <laughs> followed the car, pulled up at this red traffic light and I ran the window down and signaled to her and said, do you want to come to our concert tonight? And she sort of uh, looked at me, who is it? Black Sabbath. Um, I'll think about it. And then that night she turned up and that was it. And that was 1978. And yeah not only continued to be your wife, but she's your manager too. Yeah, yeah, eventually, yeah. And as if this story has not been uh, inclusive and diverse enough for a rock band more associated with the cross than any other, you and Ozzy end up marrying women with Jewish backgrounds. Always brought up very strict Catholic. And like I said in the book, once you're a Catholic, you're always a Catholic. You never get away from it. It's nice. It's great that uh, I respect her religion. She respects mine. Bill and Tony, do they also have wives with Jewish backgrounds? Bill does. But, uh, yeah, Bill does, but uh, Tony, no. I don't know, my brother. Maybe the symbol should have been a uh, Star of David. <laughs> Skeezer Butler, the book is uh, Into the Void, From Birth to Black Sabbath and Beyond. Did you have fun talking today? Yeah, absolutely, yeah. I'm giving you a big high five. Thank you, Geezer, for doing this, okay, brother. Okay, cheers. All the best, then. You too. Take care. Aloha, brother. Bye.